0: You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. Hey guys, hope you're doing well. We are in part three of our series, Practicing Presence. Uh, We've been talking about some formational spiritual practices, and over the last two weeks, we talked about scripture, and last week, Amy Mitchell brought an awesome word on prayer. And if you uh, haven't heard those, you can check those out on the last two episodes of the podcast. This week, we're going to talk about Sabbath. And from the jump, I want to make it really clear that I am not coming from a place of expertise with this subject. In fact, it's something that I have really never done super well or super intentionally. And here's one of the most important things that, that we must know and I have had to come to know is that, Insight is not change. And this isn't just true of of spiritual practices, but with all things. Insight is not change. Just because you know about something doesn't mean that you are changing. Just because you listen to a podcast on Sabbath doesn't mean that all of a sudden you know how to Sabbath or that your life is changing in that area of your life. Or for my, in my case, I I read a lot of books and oftentimes I can read something and be really inspired by something. And I can even quote something and be like, isn't that so good? But if somebody was to say, but is that actually happening like in your life? I don't think I can confidently say that most of the time. And so insight is not change. It is in the implementation of what we have learned that we grow. It is when we apply the the knowledge and the wisdom that we gain and Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 I think is a really incredible verse. It says this, "Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence but even more in my absence," work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation. It's important to highlight the difference between working for our salvation and working out our salvation. Working out isn't working for salvation. It is putting into practice what we are learning, doing the hard work of transformation in our own lives. So, As we step into this, do not hear me as someone who thinks that they have it all figured out when it comes to Sabbath. Honestly, honestly, never hear me as someone who has it figured out. Hear me as a fellow follower of Jesus who is just trying to learn along with you. So I want to be transparent here. This message is going to be largely structured off of four main components, and those components were not thought of by me. John Mark Comer is a pastor that I deeply admire, and he has a large part to play in an organization called Practicing the Way. And in their Sabbath practice, they structure a lot of their teaching around four main ideas. So I want to talk through those four ideas and try to contextualize it a little bit for us while fully understanding that a short message is only going to scratch the surface. This is an ancient practice as are really all of these spiritual practices that we're going to walk through in this series. And one message is not going to completely change our lives, but I hope that it'll be a a catalyst for some change in my life and in your life as well. So when it comes to Sabbath, we must start in Genesis chapter two, verses two through three. It says this on the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all that work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy for on it. He rested from all his work of creation. So God in the very fabric of creation creates a rhythm of rest. He creates a rhythm of rest, and yet we find that it can be incredibly simple to neglect that beautiful God-created rhythm in our own lives. A common response to the idea of Sabbath is that we are too busy. We are essentially saying, I am too busy to rest, which sounds like a really stressful mindset because it is. <laughs> I am too busy to rest, but maybe that resonates with you because it, it definitely resonates with me. Sometimes we just think that I'm too busy to rest. So how can we work towards healthy Sabbath? How can we work against that posture and towards a healthy posture? Let's look at the four main components. The first one is this. Stop. Stop. We have to be willing to stop and ask ourselves the question, do I actually want this? Do I actually want this? Is a Sabbath practice something that I want to be a part of? Of my life, because if it is not something that we desperately want to create in our own spiritual rhythms, it will not be what it can be. The truth is that we are often resistant to Sabbath because culture is resistant to Sabbath, and we are often influenced by culture. Sabbath was widely accepted by the whole of culture when Constantine, Constantine declared that it should be observed in the fourth century. Constantine steps in, the superpower, Christianity is at the forefront of the superpower now. He says Sabbath is something that we are commanded to do, it's something that, that we are invited into, so we're going to observe that. And that was largely largely the reality of the world, especially the Western world, until the 1960s. This is the better part of two millennia that Sabbath was a part of culture as a whole, not as part of like a subset of culture in Christianity, but really as everyone they, they would observe it in cultural ways things would shut down cities towns would shut down for a whole week talk to your grandparents about what sundays look like when they were growing up go to a small town in montana where we are or maybe a small town wherever you find yourself and see what it looks like sundays are often something where the, the town shuts down that's a day of rest for everyone but in the 1960s things flipped There's a story of 7-Eleven opening up on Sundays in 1969, and people like going and getting a soda or getting snacks on a Sunday, and it was like this really crazy thing. And then Silicon Valley started really revving up, and things started happening. Technology, all these different things happened in the 1960s that then propelled us into a culture that was constantly moving. Because now, 2023, if something's closed on a Sunday, we're surprised, if not annoyed, Right? Places like Chick-fil-A are known as being set apart because they're closed on Sundays. It's, it's like a thing that they're known for. It's so much different that they even have it on their signs closed on Sundays. For Sabbath to be effective in our own personal lives, we have to be willing to embrace the idea of coming to a stop in the midst of a culture that is moving 24-7. We have to embrace the idea of coming to a stop in the midst of a culture that is moving 24-7. We also have to be willing to kill the FOMO in our lives, the fear of missing out. If we stop, the world will keep going. If we stop, the world will keep going. Are we okay with that? If we get away from our phones, if we turn off our devices, if we turn off the exterior noise and and the 24-hour news cycle and all those things, truly stopping and stepping into Sabbath... Are we okay with that? Are we okay with the, with the truth that the world is not going to wait for us to power our devices back on? Are we willing to to step away from the movement of, of an ever-moving culture and rest in the presence of God? And if we are, if we're willing to take the first step and stop, one of the questions that we have to ask is, when? When are we going to f- find the time to Sabbath? Is it going to be on Sundays? That's something that a lot of people do. It's the day of the, that they go and they participate in church. It's the day that they worship. They take Sundays off. And one of the things that I think is really important that, that we probably don't have a ton of time to get into this week, but there's a difference between taking a day off and Sabbathing. It's not just, oh, I'm going to sit on my couch and, and really just relax. It's an intentional rest. And I hope that as we continue to walk through these other tenants, you will see that there's an intentionality in Sabbath that is not present in just taking a day off. So when are you going to do it? Is it going to be Sundays or would you maybe fall back into some tradition? Because the tradition was Sabbath was from sundown on Friday night until sundown on Saturday night. That there was a rhythm there that was observed for millennia, really, for a lot of the Christian world. Or maybe you are a young adult that has to work on the weekends. I know that for me, throughout the majority of the first part of my young adulthood, I had a job at a restaurant and I had to work shifts. And if you worked at a restaurant, you wanted to work Friday nights and Saturdays and even Sunday nights because that's when people went out to eat. So maybe your schedule looks a little bit different. Maybe it's midweek. The answer to when is the right time to Sabbath is when you find the time to dedicate a day unto the Lord. (laughs) When you get to find time to be in God's presence and put productivity behind and put presence at the forefront of your life. There's not a right answer to when you are to Sabbath, but we are invited into Sabbath. Stopping will be a huge element in our Sabbath. As we Sabbath in the midst of it, stopping is a big part of it, but it's also going to be necessary as we set the table to Sabbath. I love Psalm 139. I have a framed print on the wall in my office, and uh, verses 23 through 24 say this, Search me, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me. Lead me. Would you lead me in the everlasting way? See, when we stop, we can breathe. When we stop, we can allow God to search us. When we stop, we can allow God to know us. And when we stop, we can ask God to lead us. And the, in, the, in the pause of our lives is where God will set us up to go and be the people that he has called us to be. Stopping allows us to do so much. And one of the things that allows us to do is step into the next element that we're going to talk about. And that is the element of rest. Rest feels like it should be incredibly simple, but we all know that the true, that true rest isn't found in just sitting down and being stagnant, right? That day off, true rest is found like everything else with intentionality. It is not just physical rest. It is holistic and spiritual rest. The reason that we need rest is not just because we are physically tired, but it is because we are often people of restlessness, that our spirits become restless, that that our bodies become restless. There's there's so much. It is completely uh, a holistic experience when we become restless people. And the need of rest partnered with the reality of restlessness creates an internal and external resistance. And change happens when we move through that resistance. That when internal resistance and external resistance... uh, show up and reveal themselves in our lives in, in a multitude of different ways, when we lean into them and through them, that is when change happens. And that's why these practices are so important is because Sabbathing, resting, stopping actually goes against the, the drive of our humanity. And it is us being countercultural internally with our own physical being being and external, as the culture tells us to move and go 24-7. That's why these practices are so important. But what do we rest from? The first thing is this, is that we rest from work and even rest from thinking of work. Something that has really struck me recently is a thought from a couple of Christian thinkers. And it is this, is that Sabbath is not a reward. Sabbath is not a reward. We regularly think that Sabbath is a reward for the hard work that we put in. This idea really really messed me up over the last year or so is because that has been for the longest time my mentality that if I work hard, if I am productive for 5 days of the week or 6 days of the week, then I can earn the rest that presents itself on my day off, which is not truly Sabbath. But that is that is what I have completely framed my mind around that Sabbath is a reward for hard work. I will work hard all week so that I can rest this weekend. But what's really interesting when you look at the creation story in Genesis chapter one is that humanity is created on day six. On day six, humanity is created. And then the first full day that they get to experience is day seven where God rests That God works and works and works, and he sees that his creation is good, so he rests. And what Adam and Eve get to do is they get to participate in that rhythm, but on the opposite side, that they get to begin in rest, because God did the work. God did the work so that we can begin in rest. Rest is offered to us. It is a gift. We do not Earn it. And we get to decide if we are going to be people who work for rest in the in the mindset of Sabbath being a, an award or reward for hard work, or we can be people who work from rest. Do we want to work for rest, or do we want to work from rest? The free gift that God has given us from the beginning. I want to work from rest. You see, intentional Sabbath is a recognition that the work will always be left unfinished the work that we are trying and striving for will always be left unfinished until God himself completes it. You see, Sabbath in and of itself is a posture of surrender, saying no matter how hard I work, no matter how much I strive, the work will always be left unfinished, that the only one who can complete anything is God. When we work from rest instead of for rest, we become people who become more productive than we ever would have been if we are striving through the restlessness of our lives to try to earn that just little bit of rest on the weekend or that little bit of rest on our Sabbath. No, we get to work from rest and know that rest will come again next week. Another thing that we get to rest from is wanting and worrying that often our restlessness is rooted in our desire to want something, or it's rooted in our worry about life and what's next and all of the different things that come with that. Ronald Rollheiser has a a, a quote that says this, he says, True restfulness, though, is a form of awareness, a way of being in life. It is living ordinary life with a sense of ease and gratitude and appreciation with peace and prayer. And I love this. We are restful when ordinary life is enough. We are restful when ordinary life is enough. That's so good. That when we are wanting, when we are worrying, we are not resting. And this often comes because the ordinary lives that we are living, the simplistic lives that we are li- li- living with, with the people that we are surrounded with and, and the jobs that we're afforded and, and whatever. We, all, we want the next thing and we want the promotion. And we want a new relationship and, and we want more money and we want this next car and, and we want this thing over here. But true restfulness comes when we realize that ordinary life is enough. That we look around and we see what God has given us. And we can rest because we see the blessing. See, wanting and worrying aren't going to get us anywhere. But resting will. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 29 says this. It says, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me. Because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. When we are weary, when we are burdened, Jesus doesn't give us solutions. He doesn't give us answers. He doesn't give us strategies for productivity. He gives us rest. Rest. Come to me when you are weary. Come to me when you are burdened. And I will give you rest. So God has offered us this opportunity to rest. And then we get to respond in a couple different ways. The first response is delight. Many past generations viewed Sabbath as a rule or a mandate. Something that was rooted in legalism. And for millennials or Gen Xers or Gen Zers, like we, we run away from the idea of legalism. That is something that we don't want at all. So the pendulum swings to the other way, and we want to live lives that are essentially rule-free, that there there is no structure. We just get to do whatever it is that we want to do. But both of those postures miss the mark. Sabbath is an opportunity for us to, to accept a gift and operate in this command and this, this offered way of life and delight in God and his creation. And creation means people, too. I've been super guilty of thinking of Sabbath as locking myself in a dark room and not being able to do any of the things that I want to do with my free time. That doesn't sound fun at all. But Sabbath is meant to be communal. Sabbath is meant to be done alone in some respects, but also very much in community. Even Leviticus, a book that many people cringe at because it's essentially just a list of rules, talks about community. Leviticus 23, chapter 3. Sorry, Leviticus chapter 23, verse 3 says, Work may be be done for six days, but on the seventh day there is to be a Sabbath of complete rest. A sacred assembly. You are not to do any work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord wherever you live. A sacred assembly. That could absolutely mean church, but it also can mean being with people in intentional rest together. That could be your family or your friends who have committed to the practice of Sabbath as well. It can be so easy to think about what you might not be allowed to do when it comes to Sabbath. But what if we shifted our posture and thought about what we could do with our Sabbath? What that time, that intentional time spent alone and with others, what could that do for us? And what could we do in the midst of that time that we are intentionally setting aside? Coleman and his team talk about something called pleasure stacking, which means just doing things that you delight in and just like stacking those things upon each other on your Sabbath. And they even in their practicing of the way companion guide even talk about like a, a list of things that you can do. This is what they say. Here's, here's some ideas, uh, make pancakes, open a good bottle of wine. If you're of age, have a dance party, play music, get coffee with your best friend, make love to your spouse, take a walk, nap, eat delicious food, do your nails or your favorite self-care activity, go fishing or surfing or swimming, be in nature, watch the sunrise or the sunset, make a fire, read fiction or poetry, sing, go to an art museum, go on a picnic in a beautiful park, play a game, call a friend or a family member who lives far away. That sounds like a good day. It's not about what we can't do. It's about what we're invited into. That we get to share in this beautiful rest and delight in so many things that God has created and delight in God himself and delight in the people that God has put in our lives. We are called to do that. Not everything that you do on Sabbath has to be with others, but it should include others regularly. Have a Sabbath feast. Share a meal together. Talk about things that you care about. Hang out with your family. Hang out with your friends. Laugh. Delight in one another. And delight in the Lord. Another response that we have in our Sabbath is worship. And we've already covered that Sabbath is a gift to us and for us, but there's also the truth that it provides us an opportunity to worship the gift giver. Worship doesn't just mean to sing. It certainly can be that. But it doesn't worship... Excuse me. It doesn't or shouldn't stop there. Worship should be a key tenant of our Sabbath because it is taking time to recognize the whole reason why we are even invited into rest in the first place. So we take time. We take time to talk to God, to pray, to sing, to worship through song, to go on a walk and appreciate what God has created. We take time to read scripture and allow it to penetrate the deepest parts of our beings. That in our Sabbath, we get the opportunity to not just stop and not just rest and not just delight in the things that we find pleasure in, but to worship the God that makes all of that possible. Now, this is just skimming the surface of what Sabbath could be and should be. So I would encourage you to find a resource. Maybe that resource is is Practicing the Way um, from John Mark Comer and his team. There are books. Um, Comer has a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Um, AJ Swoboda has a great book on Sabbath. Uh, Rich Viotis has a, a book called The Deeply Formed Life that has a, a really significant section on Sabbath. There are, there's content, but once again, like we talked about at the beginning, it's not just the insight of what we learn. It's about the implementation of putting those things into practice in our lives. So what I want to do, uh, this week is close by worshiping. And I just want to invite you, if you're able to, to bow your head, close your eyes to, to get quiet. And I want to read Psalm chapter one Oh three. It's a Psalm that David writes, worshiping who God is. And I think that it's a really beautiful thing to just come into agreement with David thousands of years later and say, yeah, we believe that God is that too. That as we think about being people who stop and rest and delight and then worship, that we we are willing to to worship God in many different ways. So if you're able to, bow your head, close your eyes, and I just want to read this over you. My soul, bless the Lord and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. My soul, bless the Lord and do not forget all of his benefits. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with the faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with good things. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all that are oppressed. He revealed his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and he is gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love towards those who fear him as far as the east is from the west so as far as he removed our transgressions from us as a father has compassion on his children so the lord has compassion on those who fear him for he knows that we what we are made of remembering that we are dust as for man his days are like grass he blooms like a flower of the field when the wind passes over it it vanishes and it place it is no longer known but from eternity to eternity The Lord's faithful love is towards those who fear him and his righteousness towards the grandchildren of those who keep his covenant, who remember to observe his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Amen. Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.